Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everyone going to fantasy football podcast part of the fake teams podcast channel i am your humble host once conducted the now completely dead devin funches hype train rom-com aficionado said christian mccaffrey would go a thousand a thousand before it was cool worshiper of the now healthy nikhil harry and damian harris truther the married one pete rogers and i am joined by all of the guys we got dk metcast number one admirer daughter of juju smith who's the proponent for a line of john snow hair products you heard it here first resident old man clark barnes El Proud father, Quentin Nelson, WNBA hot take machine, the man who boldly said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not will make the playoffs this year. Coach Whisper, the wine sipperer, the Will Disleyer, Jordan Smith, and finally, the biggest 49ers fan you know, Arya Stark is a spirit animal. Don't take him to Vegas. The only man who hates Larry Fitzgerald and a fan of what scientists lovingly call facts, the ginger normal man, Nick Butterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Pretty okay. Jordan, do you have the? Uh, are you having the willies because the packs are, are about to start, or are you feeling pretty confident? Yeah, I I feel relatively okay because it's a home game, mm-hmm. so I feel like they'll try their best, and that's all that counts. And that's all that matters. Uh, people who are listening to this podcast can, since they already know what happens, can judge whether or not Jordan will actually be really happy at the end of this show or really sad at the end of the show. We'll see. Time will tell. I am yeah. in a house of Packers fans currently as Becca's mom is out visiting for the, uh, for the long weekend. So that is why we are trying to make this a quick and condensed podcast. Cause Pete's got, you know, son-in-law duties to partake in and to, to do, and we're going to watch the Packers game. So we're going to hit the news. We're going to give some waiver wire targets and then we're going to get it out of here. Short, sweet, and simple. And because we're a news-centric podcast this this week, we have a very special guest. The news will be brought to you this week by the punny newscaster, Clerk Burns. Clerk Burns, start us off with the first news bulletin of the day. Dismissed. Will Disley out for the season with an Achilles tear. I would like to comment up front that... Uh, making light of injuries is not the intent of this broadcast. It's just, you know, fun here. It's, it's just voice. punny. Puns are encouraged. <laughs> yes. Will Disley did do uh, injure his Achilles and is presumed out for the rest of the season. Jordan, this obviously hits close to home for you since Will Disley, you are the Will Disleyer, and he was one of your best calls of the year. What is your current state of emotional uh, frailty right now? Well, it's incredibly sad. Uh, you just hate to see a good player go down and miss an entire season again. Um, you hate to say that at least it's not like a similar knee injury as last year. So then you might have some concerns about the, uh, the, the state of his knees just generally. But hopefully he gets back on the field in short time um, next season. 
from a fantasy perspective, it's it sucks because he was probably not a guy you drafted in standard redraft or auction leagues and you ended up being able to grab him and he slotted in and you know gave you tight end number five production. Um so he, you know, it's it's one of those smile while it happens sort of things because hopefully he helped you get a couple W's in the t- short time that you were playing him. Nick, you're our, our, although a 49ers fan, our Seahawks insider. I feel like most people would just expect, right, that Luke Wilson is the guy now to target given the fact that he is the now starting tight end for Seattle. Personally, I don't feel that way. Do you see that that the targets will shift over to Luke Wilson or will they be more spread out now amongst the receiver base? I think it's an interesting thing to consider, but Luke Wilson's already had his time in Seattle and really couldn't get anything going as far as like uh, fantasy impact would, would go. Uh, I'd, I'd find it unlikely, but if you know, you are like everybody who doesn't own like Kittle and you know, the, the gang uh, really just Kittle. I guess you could do worse. Yeah. yeah right. Um, you could probably the draft tight end early crowd was right. It was one of the few things I've been right about, and I would like to <laughs> remember. It. Don't let that narrative die. So, a- anyway, I mean, you could probably stash one your bench. Uh, I think he clocked like a four three or something outrageous at at the combine. Um, he's an athletic specimen, but he didn't get it done when he was here previously. Uh, the only thing was they weren't really incorporating a tight end as a focal point of the red zone offense at that point in time. They didn't figure that out until they finally gave up on trying to make Jimmy Graham blocks. So it'd probably be worth it to add him to a bench, but I'm, I'm not going to like target him by any means early in waivers. Hopefully you're yeah. like me and you just had Hunter Henry waiting to come back and boy, did he come back? Boy, did he come back? Clark, take us to the next bulletin. Mario Tata, the Titans, to try Tannehill? Uh, Yeah, the Titans benched Marcus Mariota, seemingly signaling the kind of end of their marriage, especially since Mariota is due for a contract as rookie deals up at the end of this year. So it's kind of like, well, they seem to be out with him. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill is not exactly who you want to be starting. But Clark, how much faith do you have in anyone in this Titans offense now that, I mean, I granted I'm going to the wrong person here since you as a Texans fan have no faith in them to begin with. But I think Ryan Tannehill is a little bit better of a quarterback than Marcus Mariota. I think we're really splitting hairs, but I, I think he is better. So it'll be interesting to see what we see from Tennessee. Mm. Wow. You just, you can't stop. It's just, it's coming out (laughs) of you now. (laughs) Yeah. I would love, I would love to see at least this be some sort of uptick in like Corey Davis and AJ Brown. Like those guys are so talented and it sucks that they are trapped in an offense that really doesn't have a quarterback who can get them the ball reliably and an offensive line that all of a sudden has become really bad despite the fact being really good uh last year and in years past so who knows well taylor lewan got popped for cheating and now he's having a hard oh, time i wonder why that is there you go kids Ooh. it does not pay to cheat that's the message that you should to take get home. caught um <laughs> yes that was the yeah, point i was that's, making that's, nick's there it. it is nick's yeah. got it nick's knows what's the, up the 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 comparison between the two of them is really interesting because mariota's ceiling is obviously a lot higher with his uh well 
with his athletic ability. I say that and the, the Bennett brothers somewhere are getting upset with me. They anointed him the most athletic person who went to their high school, but um, uh, Tannehill that is, but I think he might be able to move the, the offense in a way that Mariota couldn't in just being like uh, perhaps a little more accurate in the short to intermediate era area of the field. Um, are you guys trying to add him? No, I'm not adding. I'm not trying to add Ryan Tannehill. No, I mean there's other quarterbacks out there who are much worth to add. My worry is just that the offense, the pass offense, has already been so stagnant. And again, this offensive line has been crippled, or we haven't really seen them at their best. Derrick Henry is basically turning into uh, Trent Richardson in the AFL, where he averages 2.5 yards per carry, but 13 touchdowns. So that's great numbers, but. Uh, I'm just I'm worried that I'm very worried that now all of a sudden everyone on the Titans, Derrick Henry, Delaney Walker, Corey Davis, who you probably have already dropped, but AJ Brad, like all of those guys suddenly have just really no fantasy value. The the only thing this is making me do is I will watch this week to see if there's a favored wide receiver to maybe consider picking him up. And that's why I say that we're really splitting hairs with who's a better quarterback. Again, I think Tannehill's better, but not enough to add or even think about it yeah i saw the most perfect tweet about marcus mariota today i don't know if you guys got this retweeted to your timeline oh, that was slack that and- i typed the funny title in that wasn't on twitter <laughs> oh. but um you're right um so i can't credit who actually tweeted this but they said Jameis winston takes too many threes and marcus mariota misses too many layups that's exactly that how I feel about Marcus Mariota. And I think if Tannehill can, you know, make some more of the easier throws that Marcus Mariota just can't, then these guys just have better value by target. You know, we just got to figure out who might be his favorite target. Cause that I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyone have any premonitions about where Mariota will end up next year? Not really. I thought the the ringer guys were talking about uh, how funny it would be if Winston and Mariota switched places. Ooh. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it would be fun to see Mariota actually be able to work with a, a supposed quarterback whisperer. Well, we're and, and just it's like, real. I think this is, I think this has also got lost under the radar is that Mariota has been in the league for what, four years now? And he's had five different offensive coordinators. And so like, Obviously, he has his own things to work through, but it also doesn't help when you're learning a new playbook every year. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's five years with four coordinators, but the, anything over one is right. challenging. Right. I've got Chicago one that I think would be. Player? Yeah, I, I think Chicago is good. Would you rather have Blake Bortles as your backup or Marcus Mariota in Los Angeles? And if you're Marcus Mariota, wouldn't you like to go somewhere that's probably going to have the same coach for a few years? Yeah. That's LA is not, especially with everyone kind of turning quickly on Jared Goff. I mean, Sean McVay has to show that, that he is not the problem there, but that would be exciting. How, how tall is Mariota? Does John Elway want him? <laughs> He's not tall enough. The He's Broncos are enough. always looking for a new $25 million a year quarterback. <laughs> He's got to duck through a doorway. Elway sees it and just kind of goes, <sighs> Oh God. All right, Clark, Six next four, bulletin. Dug the end zone on Sunday, hitting pay dirt twice. Is this a new thing in Minnesota? Hitting pay dirt thrice. Stefan Diggs scoring three touchdowns. Kirk Cousins looking like a, a 
20, $80 million quarterback all of a sudden throwing for 300 plus yards as the Vikings picked apart the Eagles secondary. Yeah. What is up with Stefan Diggs? Jordan, what is your vibe as NFC? I'm picking just the right people to talk about these, <laughs> these topics off the gate. What is, what is your vibe? Because Stefan Diggs has been a receiver who anyone who's had them has had a very negative relationship so far this season and likely his performance was done helped not a lot of people given the fact that he was probably on most people's benches but do you think that this is something that can sustain moving forward uh well Stefan Diggs had a pretty good day and so did Adam Thielen actually had a pretty decent day himself but my, my first instinct is to be like well like this is the Eagles secondary and they can just get carved up by a lot of good Good to great NFL quarterbacks. I still think Kirk Cousins is good. I've never really thought like, oh, why is like, why don't they just cut bait with Kirk Cousins now and save themselves the hassle? Like that'd be the dumbest thing in the world to do. He's still a pretty decent quarterback. And um, Stefan Diggs is, he's always somebody that I feel like you should have in your starting lineup as like a wide receiver to or a flex, because I think his ceiling is just, too high to gamble with putting him on the bench even if he's had some pretty down weeks earlier in the season I think it's something that they just I mean look at how well they played yesterday they looked better when they threw the ball they looked better when they've thrown the ball to Adam Thielen as well so hopefully that coaching staff has finally taken the hint Nick are they still donkey doo doos no, so this is so it's important when when these things happen to try to figure out why it happened and not just be like I told you Diggs was good. Um, and so what I mean e- even so I've only started to look into this a little bit and I'm not sure what the slot uh, snap share was between uh, Diggs and Thielen, but three of their four combined touchdowns all came within the first 16 minutes of the game. Over 110 of Diggs's yards came early. They they I know that they were also throwing. Uh, on first and second down, and they were running play action at a high rate in the process. These are all things that forward-thinking offices like to do. Ironically, this is something that John Filippo led the league in last year, their former offensive coordinator. So they, they go back to what he was trying to implement, and th- their offense looks phenomenal. Kirk Cousins looks awesome. And it, so much of their, their early season issues was just coaching. It's, you're running a scheme that doesn't help your players. And whether your players are like good or bad doesn't really matter that much. A good system can really change the outcome of games. So anyway, the way that they use these guys was phenomenal. I did, I did say on the rundown, they have a, a, a decent chance in this one to get things going, especially given the matchup. Uh, personally, I'm not going to bank on Stefanski and Zimmer changing their lifelong philosophies. Or Stefanski, I know he's kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'm a yes man. I'll do whatever is asked of me. But uh, Kenny Galladay just, oh, my God. Is this game already Galladay started? Just, yeah, he just had like an 80-yard reception and almost fumbled at the end of it. But Whew. I need TJ Hawkinson um, to get me four points. Okay, well, not there yet. But anyway, Thanks, um, I'm not going to bet on the coaches uh, sticking with the smart decision-making that, that they, that they uh, showed this week because they haven't shown that for a long time. Personally, I would sell on Stephon Diggs. But if you want to stay with them and see what happens, if they're going to change their play calling, I get it. You, you know, you use early round picks. And I would have sold feeling a long time ago and I would have missed out on all the points scored. So, that, you know, realize I did who's t- telling you to do this. Shout out to all these people who kept digs on your team and were able to benefit from that. 
because that's if you kept him for the right that's reasons. Commitment. If it was just I believe in the Vikings, then go back to the drawing board, champ. Yeah, I think if you could sell, you should. And the, I'm just looking at the wide receiver ranks right now, and there's there's some really odd names that I would love to get for Stephon Diggs because I don't think that this offense is going to consistently do enough in the passing game to support two wide receivers. There will be a handful of games where Stephon Diggs has great games. And then there will be a handful of games where Stephon Diggs gets you 2.3 points uh, in your starting lineup and just crushes you. I would love to get Terry McLaren oh. for Stephon Diggs. I would love to get your boy, Cortland Sutton, for Stephon Diggs. Tyler Lockett. These are all guys. Uh, McLaurin's number eight, but a new name that I think you might be able to get for Stephon Diggs. But everybody else is under him. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, Julian Edelman, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm, you never trade Hopkins. But yeah. yeah, so if someone is the I told you so, Stefan Diggs is good guy, uh, and they make you an offer, I would negotiate real hard. Not because I don't think Stefan Diggs is good, but just because, uh, you know, Thielen had a good day, but uh, usually it's just one of these guys. Yeah. And I don't want to ride that roller coaster. No, that's fair. Another news bulletin, Clack Burns! <laughs> That darn old cat returns to the Jets. <laughs> Sam Darnold's spleen managed to survive the weekend as the Jets took down the Dallas Cowboys, which, of course, Clark loved because anytime the Cowboys lose, Clark's a happy man. Uh, he looked good. Sam Darnold looked good. The Jets' offense is alive and well. Robbie Anderson is now a legit deep threat again. And Jamison Crowder is getting 7 billion targets. Nick, how much are you buying into the uh, Jets offense moving forward from a fantasy standpoint now that Sam Darnold is back and his spleen seems to be not so large? I am interested in it. Um, do you guys – I'm unfamiliar with how many plays they ran. I would be really curious to see. I, I don't have that number. I don't know if you guys do. Uh, but I'd be very curious to see That's if Gase is on get, it. Okay, cool. I, yeah, I'd be very curious to see if Gase is able to get the uh, the tempo – kicked up a notch with Darnold back. Um, I am interested in acquiring Jets players, but the upcoming – well, so j- this this week, uh, they've got to go face New England. So it's going to be a bumpy ride, and I don't know if I'd try to acquire them coming off such a hot performance against Dallas. I might try to wait until this next week because after that, they get Jacksonville, which is not a defense we worry about anymore. Miami, New York Giants, Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati, Miami, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Like, that's a phenomenal schedule. So, I guess, hey, I, I guess try to go get yourself some Jets. Uh, but next week, it might be a little bit easier. Yeah, I would say that with Sam Darnold, even if, like, the Jets aren't good, as long as Sam Darnold can take care of the football, he's a good candidate to get you some some nice witching hour points because they, they might have to end up throwing a lot and they already have love beyond bell. So it's, it's part of their game plan. It behooves them to uh, toss the ball a lot and uh, Jameson Crowder value back up. Yeah. I think bell might be a target Nick to your point. Uh, he didn't have a great game. He looked okay. And that owner may be frustrated. Uh, so I think he's worth picking up because the whole offense is getting better. Uh, I'm excited that Robbie Anderson, got the run that a lot of people me were hoping <laughs> that he would get. Uh, yeah. And I think that this is going to be a tale of two cities with Darnold back at the helm for the jets. This doesn't make them a great team, but they are once again, fantasy viable. Yeah. 
Yep, yep, yep. And we might touch on them when we talk waiver wire ads. Clark, final news bulletin. Oh, Henry. Hunter Henry returns to get 100 yards and two touchdowns. The Chargers look completely lost, but Hunter Henry was not lost in the Chargers offense, looking uh, all what was promised to us at the tight end position. And the posi- that position is widely known as being completely barren. We all know that there's not a lot of fantasy viable guys. If for whatever reason, Hunter Henry is available in your league or you are like Jordan and have been patient and stashed him and waited for him to return from injury, you're sitting pretty right now and you should definitely go get him. He has been, anytime he's been healthy, he's been a go-to guy for Phillip Rivers, especially around the red zone. We know what the Chargers can do with their tight ends uh, in scoring touchdowns. And so I don't expect this performance that we saw from Hunter Henry to be a fluke by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and so now is the time to get him if you can, because he's about to take off and, and reestablish himself as one of the best young tight ends in the, in the league, as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah. I think that's the key right there. The only thing that's stopping Hunter Henry at this point is um, his health. Uh, you hope that he can stay healthy throughout the rest of the season. I was not expecting him to, come back and just produce like he did right away in the first game. I thought maybe he'd be on a pretty heavy snap count. Maybe he'd get out there just to, you know, get the legs warm a little bit, but they were just like, well, they first threw of all, him they in the deep. Him in right. Game. Right. Well, first of all, they sucked. So, yeah. First things first, they were awful, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Hunter Henry, hopefully he can keep it up because the fantasy world needs tight ends. Amen. I'm a little bit worried that this hurts the, uh, the value of the already shaky, running back duo here uh he's a great right uh he's a monster in the red zone and uh they are hell-bent on giving the uh sloth-like melvin gordon more touches right now they're kind of just taking the the offense off the rails. They, Um, They they seem to be trying to do an organic tank like what the dolphins are they just all of a sudden they just have seemed to just like they've been ignoring keenan allen Austin Eckler suddenly is no longer a part of their game. And they're like, Hey, we're going to run with Melvin Gordon 1500 billion times. And we're going to throw the football to our tight end and Hunter Henry worked it. But like, what happened? How did you turn Keenan Allen from like the best wide receiver in football to just this afterthought? So this is kind of, I mean, we we've talked about this before. They're one of the few remaining teams that just not, not even uh, doesn't like utilize that analytics very much. They don't have a department. So taking away their bell cow just could sort of help them luck into going, I I guess we'll use the other pieces. He's back now and they're just going to use him uncreatively. Not, I mean, Eckler should be the lead back at this point, but anyway, um, trust the science nerds. You guys, they, they know what they're talking about. It's like the, uh, the Bill Simmons Ewing theory. They were forced to just kind of, play better and they're out of their own way when they didn't have melvin gordon so there you go there's the news thank you to the punny newscaster clerk burns for (laughs) announcing the news and guiding us through this uh early little segment before we get into fantasy mvps for week six and week seven waiver wire ads uh we are going to take a quick ad break you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back and we're going to quickly, before we hit waiver wire ads, we are going to quickly give our week six fantasy MVPs. Now, I said this to our social media client communicator thing that we use to talk to each other. Uh, Since my mother-in-law is in town, I did basically took Sunday off from football. So I don't really know what happens. I'm just kind of going off of uh, what the narrative has been shared to me as to who my MVP is. But we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Clark. Who is your MVP for week six of fantasy football? Uh, my MVP selfishly is Robbie Anderson, who I chose to start <laughs> over Josh Gordon. And I have just been floating on that one since Sunday evening. The most valuable player in fantasy football last week, yeah. Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I it's buy me. it. It's for you. It's, it's my vote. It's <laughs> my vote, my choice, Pete. That's fair. Hashtag Jordan, 2020. who's your MVP for week six? Uh, so my week six MVP is uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, he's been on fire the past two weeks, and he, or especially yesterday, he was the uh, running quarterback cheat code in that he scored uh, two rushing touchdowns and 42 yards on just 10 attempts running the ball, which is pretty dang good for a quarterback, I would say. Um, and part of that has to do with the fact that he would also have had just a much larger day if his receivers could catch the ball. Yeah. Because Will Fuller was, dropped three touchdowns. Yeah. There's three drops touchdowns and yeah. Yeah. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Watson heating up. Yep, he's my MVP for the week, too, because not only did he get you a boatload, he was the best quarterback in fantasy this week, he also took down Patrick Mahomes' rating NFL MVP and has cemented himself now as the best young quarterback in the league. Patrick Mahomes can go suck it. I think Russell Wilson kind of edged him out there, to be honest. Well, Russell Wilson is old, uh, Nick. Well, oh, sure. Uh, Watson, (laughs) actually, I think he lost four TDs. Hopkins dropped one and Fuller dropped three. There was all it was kinds brutal. of it was it was a rough outing, and yet he still managed to put up like thirty plus points. I'm I'm obviously really happy that the Texans won, but that that game was an absolute shit show. That yeah. game was terrible. Oh, there was a penalty like every other play until the third quarter. Will Fuller forgot how to catch. There, the defensive backs were holding everyone. There were two extremely obvious pass interference calls, which is stupid that we're reviewing them. But if you're gonna review them, don't be an ass about it. It's uh, that game. Uh, yeah, they, they're snatching entertainment away. For, I just, I can't think of a good phrase. They're finding a way to ruin the NFL, and that game is a great example. That game should have been awesome, and it was just a shit show. Nick, who's your MVP for the week? I'm staying on brand and uh, tipping my cap to you, Pete. Uh, My MVP is Matt Ryan. He went 30 of 36 yards, and he did what uh, Pete so elegantly brought into artistic 
life. Uh, he cleared 300 yards. Mm, and yes, we talked yes. about this. Uh, we talked about this in the rankings. We, we talked about this in the rundown. Pete talked about it through a beautiful medi- medium of um, uh, crossover artwork on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he cleared 300 yards again. This is the, uh, he, he's done it in every game this season. He had four, uh, four touchdowns, no turnovers. He added a lovely seven yards on the ground. The dude is on fire, even though the team is also on fire, but in a, a, a different kind of <laughs> in a, way. In a negative way, in the like yeah. house burning way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, Matt Ryan, man, late round QBs. I'm freaking out. My our Halloween costumes just arrived, um, and Becca's getting very excited and trying it on right now. We got them shipped from China. Do you want us to ask what they are, Pete? Yeah, I would like you. I mean, I did lead what and you? give you a big <laughs> opening right there for you guys to ask. <laughs> what are what you we are. No, I don't know you. I know you don't care now, Nick. We what's, are. What's your we are going as Steve and Robin from Stranger Things season two when in their Ahoy costumes when they work at the ice cream bar in the uh, in the mall. For nice. those who have seen Stranger Things too, so I don't remember that. But I was gonna have long hair and a beard so I could be Tormund, and then uh, and then you didn't. Season eight crapped the bed, and I <laughs> said, "Fuck this! I'm not gonna do this shit." <laughs> Uh, all right, quickly, let's uh, wrap this up. Week seven, waiver wire targets. We, uh, If you've got multiple, let's throw out multiple. Normally, we just say, if you got one, who are you adding? But since you know we got plenty of time and the show is, uh, is a shorter one, we'll say, if you got two, you got a couple, throw them out. Uh, we'll, start with, uh, we'll start with myself. You know, I tend to pass this pass the first roll around, but you know, I'm going to take the, uh, take the responsibility of starting us off. I think the guy you get is we talked about him. The jets offense is back and I'm buying Jamison Crowder again. You, since Sam Darnold has been the starting quarterback. Yes. I took it right out from under Jordan uh, with Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback. He saw 17 targets, obviously in week one, and he saw nine targets last or this, this past Sunday, I just think that he's already and going to be Sam Darnold's go-to guy in terms of getting the ball out of his hand quick. I think regardless of the fact that they are going to be playing the Patriots, that he still has value. We saw Golden Tate. Yes, it was kind of a fluke touchdown play that Golden Tate managed to score on uh, against the Patriots. But we still saw that they were they were giving him the underneath stuff. Um, and I think that's where Jameson Crowder is going to work and operate. And so if you play in a PPR league, he is a must-own. Totally agree. Yeah. He's target share went up to nine targets yesterday just with Sam Darnold coming back and he I think a lot of people might have dropped him just in the subsequent weeks that Darnold was out so good chance to grab him he's he's at uh 42 percent owned in Yahoo so there's you know you got a coin toss right right if he's available there. you gotta get him Jordan I know you yeah. I took your guy but do you have a another man to go add off waivers um just a quick backup I uh, I kind of had an eye on this game uh the arizona cardinals uh maybe take a flyer on chase Edmonds. see if you can add him to your bench if you're in a deeper league only 22 percent owned in espn leagues and uh he's got double digit points the past couple weeks um david johnson has been playing but he's been nursing a back injury so if that starts to flare up again there's a solid chance that chase Edmonds um could be the feature guy and even if he's not uh, he's factoring pretty well into that offense. He's getting involved in some um, some passing stuff, and they the broadcast said they really like him. So, so there you go. What more do you need? 
And that offense is starting to finally kind of get going. I mean, the Falcons is the cure all for any offense that's ailing, but there's, they seem to be uh, starting to get the everything back into place and, and being able to do things productively. Clark, who's the guy you're going to add off waivers? So we've got two from the same game. First, pat ourselves on the back last week for being completely right that Darren Fells was a good desperation play. He got 69 yards, which I know isn't an offensive explosion, but in the league bereft of tight end talent, that was a very solid play. You probably outperformed your opponent. It's a nice amount of yards. Yeah, <laughs> I've had, I found several. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll distract you, Pete. Uh, the, the tight ends are involved in the Texans offense they're they're throwing them out there to help with blocking and people are forgetting about them and they're getting open and pass coverage Jordan Aikens also had an okay game but it does look like Darren Fells is more of the offensive weapon uh same game only 16 percent owned uh, we watched the Texans get torched yesterday with screen passes and misdirection plays out of the backfield so I think Naheem Hines even though he's a clear second fiddle is a nice uh, desperation play as a flex if you're really hurting for someone. He's 16% owned, uh, and you could do a lot worse than throwing him in this week against the Texans. Nicholas, who are, you, who are you adding? Well, I had uh, some of the same guys on my my list, Crowder and, and Edmonds. And, I mean, Edmonds, he's starting to come into, like, flex he's, consideration on his own. He's got yeah. double digits back-to-back weeks. Um, but we, we talked about him previously, Chris Herndon, he's at 27% owned in Yahoo. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if he's actually going to be able to come back this week The the team activated him, they cut somebody and activated him, um, a couple hours ago. So if you Ooh. need a tight end up to the minute news coming from Nick Botiford up to the minute within a few hours. Oh um, uh, yeah. That's how we did. Yeah, no, he's with, with Darnold back. He is in serious contention every week to be a like top five to eight option. And, uh, that's awesome. So yeah, go go get yourself some Chris Herndon. Yeah, and yeah, again, we were all excited about Hunter breathe. Henry, and we were right about him. Another H named tight end is just waiting to burst onto the scene. I mean, what more can you ask for from us? We are just giving you prime knowledge. Uh, the last guy who I think you should go add off waivers, Jordan. I know I took your guy, Jamison Crowder, but I wanted to throw you a bone here and give you some love and appreciation. Jacoby Myers, man, it's Jacoby Myers season in New England. Josh Gordon yes. got injured against the Giants. Who knows? We haven't heard anything co- confirming what exactly his injury status is, um, but it's not great. Julian Edelman's been banged up, and we saw Jacoby Myers coming into that Giants game. He had four targets, four receptions for 54 yards. I think we know what he he's flashed a lot in the preseason, and I think he could be someone who steps into this Patriots offense in the next couple of weeks and starts to seeing a pretty good, pretty heavy workload. Uh, and maybe that'll change, obviously, but I think he's owned in like 1% of leagues. So if you want a flyer to throw at, you know, he's the guy to go get. Yeah, I hope he's starting to um, pick up a little bit of a connection with Tom Brady. I know that was a little bit of an issue early on and why he was uh, kind of not really utilized after being a preseason darling. So um, Jacoby Myers, it's great to get some some good action out of him. Yeah. And Nikhil Harry's coming back, baby. <laughs> oh, your boy excited. All right. Well, there you go. News, waiver wires, I got to get back to being the greatest son-in-law. Enjoy uh, those cheese curds. Oh, you got to love it when the pack, what is the score currently? Is the pack down? There's nothing like noisy cheese. It's the best cheese. <laughs> Any cheese that makes a lot of noise is the only cheese for me. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. 
Subscribe wherever you can get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. We appreciate it and all the nice things you have to say. If you leave a question in the comments, we'll make sure to answer it. Uh, so, so drop it in when you leave a review. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We'll be back at you Thursday to talk week seven starts and sits. Until then. Peace.